Hey everyone, this is Todd the 206 Geek. Just wanted to do a quick intro. Going forward with the podcast, I'm going to start using Patreon again. And basically what I'm going to use the Patreon for is for early access to episodes. I'm going to start posting them earlier on Patreon a day or two before I normally post them on here. And on top of that, I'm also going to be posting episodes without the advertisements on them. So in order to get a- gain access early and to remove the advertisements, go over to patreon.com slash 206geek. We should like go and like hang out with Todd. <laughs> it's Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's even cooler than we thought. Boys, I'm looking for a fella who goes by the name of Todd. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> He's cool. <laughs> Todd would make like a good manager or something. <laughs> Todd roll. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the 206 Geek Podcast with your host Todd, the 206 Geek. And yes, I'm your host Todd, the 206 Geek, and this is episode 94. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, what is today's date? Today is, it is Thursday, June 25th. You know, it's, it's. Things are still crazy in the world. Still having to go out wearing a mask, which I'm I'm happy to do. I'm fine with it. I think it's everyone's responsibility to make sure that others are safe. You know, because you don't know if you're infected or not unless you've gone and been tested. So, you know, today actually I discovered that, you know... Um, I knew that my television and my computer both were HDMI capable and, uh, I didn't really think to use my TV to display my laptop screen. Uh, <laughs> cause like normally when I'm recording, I have my laptop off to the side cause that's, that's, uh, I don't have room for it like side by side with my recording setup. Otherwise I would have it right there in front of me. Today I realized, you know, I could just plug in the HDMI from the TV to the laptop and then have the, because the TV's right in front of me, I can close the lid of the laptop, make sure that it doesn't ch- shut down or go to sleep, and then have it display on the, on the TV. And then I have like the podcast set up right in front of me and I have the TV, you know, I, I just look up and I see the TV, which is awesome. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get a sore neck today. <laughs> So, so yeah, the things I'm going to talk about today, we have the Batman star Peter Sarsgaard teases his heavy, intense mystery role. We have Doom Patrol, Dorothy's imaginary friends explained. We have the $70 million sci-fi film cast an AI robot, a real life AI in a lead role. We have uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Bankruptcy has internet wondering why they enjoyed it as kids. And then we have the trailer for Superman, the Man of Tomorrow. I'll play that. And then we have Elizabeth Banks is cast as Miss Frizzle in the Magic School Bus film. I'll read that story. And then we have from Latino Review... We have Disneyland will finally re-theme Splash Mountain away from Song of the South. You mean Splash Mountain had... Oh my god, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's long overdue, man. They they haven't made that movie available since like the early 80s. And rightly so. That movie, I actually found that movie in a bit torrent about 15 years ago when I watched it and like, Oh God, I remember the music so fondly from that because someone in my family had the record with all the songs and I watched the movies like, Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) 
So it's it's I'm glad to see that they're finally retheming that that ride if that ride has anything to do with that movie, The Song of the South. All right, the next story is um Purgatory gears up for war in Winona Earp season 4 photos. I was wondering if that show was coming back. The actress who plays Winona Earp is also known as Mrs. McMurphy in Letterkenny, in case you were aware of that other show. So, Winona Earp is a great show. I will talk about that. And then we have Cyberpunk 2077 anime coming to Netflix. So, we'll talk about that. And then we have Anime Fans Hype Summer Steam Sale. With these wacky promos. Let's. Okay. And then the last story I have here is. Oh and it wants me to. It wants me to disable my, my pop up blocker. Or my uh, ad blocker. So let me ref- do that briefly. And refresh. Because I don't remember why I selected this. Oh yes. Bill and Ted Face the Music is coming to Comic Con at home. So those are the things I'm talking about today. All right, so let's get back to that first story here. Um, the Batman star Peter Scar- Sarsgaard teases his very intense mystery role, and I got an email. I need to just, I need to mute my phone. All right, <laughs> I should always remember to mute my phone when I go to record. <laughs> All right, so. The Batman has pulled a lot of mainstream attention during this, its production, thanks to thanks in large part to the high-profile cast that uh, director Matt Reeves has pulled together. Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman has defined is a definite conversation starter to say the least, and DC fans have generally approved of casting of uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Colin Farrell as Penguin, and definitely Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. Well, I see, I, I knew about Colin Farrell, and I think I remember hearing about Zoe Kravitz, and I'm have, I have no problem with those castings. I think those are fantastic actors, and they will do a fantastic job. I don't think I know who Paul Dano is, so let me, let me do a, like a Google search here real quick so I can get a face. To go along with that. Paul Dano. You know. What is he known for? Let's see here. Let's check his IMDb. I know you were listening or probably thinking, oh, it's this guy. He did this, this, and this. It's like, yeah, I don't recognize the name, and I'm not sure if I recognize the face. Let's see if I've seen any of his movies. Um, well, he's known for There Will Be Blood, which I have not seen. I have not seen Little Miss Sunshine or 12 Years a Slave, and I've not seen Love and Mercy. Those are what it says here, known for. On IMDb. Let's see what else he was in Looper. I did see that. I don't. I, I've only seen it once, and I don't remember much about it. He was in Cowboys and Aliens. I did see that. Oh, he played Percy. I think Percy was like the son of like the bad guy in that one. Um. And he was in The Sopranos. I never watched The Sopranos. He's, it looks like he's been in a fair amount of films, but I have not seen hardly any of these. He was in Swiss Army Man, which was a movie I wanted to see, but never got around to it. Oh, he was in Okia, which is a, a, a movie that was on Netflix about this like weird like hippopotamus-type creature in Japan. Yeah, now I need to see those all again because he really doesn't look familiar to me. Either. Okay, so back to the story. Closing that tab out. 
And it says here, uh, however, there's been a big mystery star, uh, starring, staring us in the face. Actor Peter Sarsgaard. His role as, as D.A. Gil Coulson. Now, Sarsgaard has a nice little tease about how Gil Coulson fits into the Batman. Speaking to the Observer, he teased that the following was about his role in the Batman. Quote, My part is very intense. On a, on a big show like that, my brain concern... Excuse me, my main concern, because that makes more sense. My main concern was that I would have to do it 150 times. This intense scene, and then that intense scene, my character is at 9 out of 10 for a lot of it. That was going to be tough in my... Tough... That was... That was going through my head a lot, like, how do I maintain this? Uh, Gil Coulson isn't a character that exists in DC Comics lore. And many fans have become suspicious that it's really a smokescreen. Uh, smoke Gil, Gil Mason was a, was a character who appeared in an arc of Batman, the animated series, a hotshot DA who turns out to be a patsy for Two-Face's takeover of Gotham legal system. Mason frames Commissioner Gordon and and dates his daughter Barbara, who discovered Gill's criminal connections and becomes Batgirl to save her dad. Oh, dude. Fans speculate that Matt Reeves is either borrowing elements of the Gil Mason character for Sarsgaard's Gil Coulson, or the character name is an outright fake. So who would Sarsgaard be playing? Harvey Dent himself? The secretary? Excuse me, the secrecy? God, I'm having trouble reading today. (laughs) Man. All right. The secrecy could be due to the mountain evidence of the Batman storyline being based on the long Halloween, a, a mystery that hinges on Harvey Dent's tragic fall into becoming Two-Face and his dark connection with his wife. We've spoken, uh, we've broken down in detail why Harvey Dent Two-Face is the most important Batman villain for these times. So hopefully we'll get to see him. You know, I was thinking when they, when they first were talking about a DA, that was the first thing that came to mind. I had never heard of this Gil guy. And I vaguely remember the, the, the character from the animated series. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched that series. I really should rewatch it. It's on, it, it is available on DC universe in HD even. So I really should just go back and watch it. All right. Here. Oh, come on. Let's see here. I'm trying to pull something up here real quick. All right, there we go. All right, the next story. Is Doom Patrol, Dorothy's Imaginary Friends Explained. Now, if you haven't watched the season two premiere of Doom Patrol, you might want to pause because... Spoiler alert! Yeah, sorry, that was a little loud. And maybe I should adjust the volume on that, on that button, huh? Let's turn it down. Let's see if I try that again. Spoiler alert! It's still pretty loud. Turn it down some more. Spoiler alert. Okay. Doesn't seem to be making a difference. I am adjusting the volume on that on that button. Oh my. Right? All right. I accidentally hit that button. So, if you haven't seen 
the premiere or you, and you want to, now is your chance to pause, go watch it, and come back. All right. So, last season in Doom Patrol, the team discovers the existence of Niles Calder, the chief's daughter, Dorothy. But at the time, very little was known about her. What was known was that Dorothy, or excuse me, that Danny the Street had been protecting Dorothy for a very long time and that the young girl had dangerous powers that made her a danger to the world. With the first three episodes of the second season now on DC Universe and HBO Max, we are getting a deeper look at those powers, what those powers are with her imaginary friends, in quotes. Now we've broken down some of those friends and why Dorothy's powers have potential to end the world. Again, this is... Spoiler alert! Alright, you've been warned. In season two premiere of Doom Patrol, Fun Size Patrol, we are properly introduced to Dorothy as well as her general powers, though in the saddest way possible. Fun Size Patrol opens up with Dorothy caged as a carnival freak. Show, uh, freak show exhi- exhi- exhibit in London, 1927. Forced to conjure up creatures from her imagination as a part of an act. In this series, the terrifying creature she conjures is actually one we've seen before. A Wendigo-like creature that Niles encountered while in the Yukon, where he met the primitive woman he fell in love with. We soon learn that there there are others in Dorothy's mind. However, including a terrifying creature that asked Dorothy to make a wish. Someone who is almost certainly the candle maker. Okay. So, how does having some pretty scary, seemingly imaginary friends translate into a potential world-destroying power? For that, we have to look at the comics. While the character's origins different from what we've seen on Doom Patrol, her powers and inner world is very similar. In comics, Dorothy suffered from facial deformity that gave her an ape-like appearance, but up up for adoption, her her adoptive family kept her isolated due to her appearance, and in that in turn, caused Dorothy to turn inward to her imaginary friends, who could bring she could bring to life. While we've seen a few of these quote unquote friends in Doom Patrol, the Wendigo, someone she calls darling, and a spider creature called Herschel. Let me tell you, folks, I saw Herschel, and if you're arachnophobic, you don't want to watch this. Ugh. <laughs> I really don't like spiders, especially big, hairy ones with big, gnarly teeth. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm i arachnophobic, but I, I, I can I can just kind of like shudder and like fast forward and, and be okay with it. I have some friends that like react very physically to things on screen and uh for them don't watch this <laughs> or at the very least when she starts conjuring her her imaginary friends make sure to like not pay that close attention to the screen okay back to this where was i herschel yes okay here we go but in comics there are there are many many more including Damn All, Darling Come Home, the show adapts her to Darling, Flying Robert, Baby Twig Lady, Honey Pie, and even false versions of Robot Man and Niles Calder, among many more. These quote-unquote friends can be good or bad and don't even have have to particularly like Dorothy in order to spring from her mind. They can also exist they can also exist in a physical space but can only survive as long as Dorothy's alive. Wow. 
Okay. Um, I've only watched like the first of the first three episodes. I need to go back and probably uh, rewatch at least the last half of the first episode because I think I fell asleep towards the end. So I think I'm going to, there's a little bit, there's another couple paragraphs here. I think I'm going to stop here because I haven't watched those last two episodes and I don't like spoilers. So um, if you want to read this whole story, as I've said in previous episodes, and if you've seen the show notes, I put all the notes, all the links to the stories I've talked about in the notes section of the Facebook page. But you can go directly to it by going to notes.206geek.com and you can see all the uh, the show notes there, which will basically give you all the links to all the stories I talk about in every episode. All right, next story then. A $70 million sci-fi film cast AI robot in lead role. Oh, boy. I don't know. I... I, I... Maybe it's because I've watched enough science fiction movies to know that AI characters always end up being the bad guy. <laughs> you know, they end up wanting to kill humanity, you know, Skynet and all. Or Hal. A $70 million film has cast an AI film in the lead role. Yes, the premise sounds like a script of a movie belonging to the genre. But this is real life. B is a science fiction film starring a robot named Erica being backed by Bondit Capital Media who financed Loving Vincent and to the bone they are joined by Happy Moon Productions and 1010 Global Media in their support of the project. B is being billed as the first film to rely on an artificial intelligent actor. The premise couldn't have come along at a better time for an industry trying to find its way in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. When trying to better uh, mitigate the impact of the disease, the creative team won't have to worry about their star. This is, you know what? I I think this is one of those things that's going to make a lot of people nervous in Hollywood. Because if they can, if they can just have animatronic AI characters play the part of every character in a movie. I mean, I mean, we've seen we've seen movies like this, but none of them have been AI. I mean, animatronic puppets is one thing, but this is a straight up AI, and they 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 give the the script to the the computer, and then the computer has to basically do the text to voice synthesization or whatever the word is. I don't know, man. I, I it, it could either be really, really fantastic and like, you know, put actors out of, out of business or it's going to, it's going to look like utter garbage. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, to, there, there's, there's a bit more to this story. I'm, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily want to read the rest of it. Cause just, just seem it just sounds like a bad idea. Just sounds like a bad idea. All right, the next story we have here is uh, Chuck E. Cheese bankruptcy. Wow, you know, it's not surprising that they're going out of business during this pandemic, to be honest. The rumors had been circulating all month, but this morning the news became official. The beloved children's destination, Chuck E. Cheese, has filed for bankruptcy. CNBC reports that Chuck E. Cheese's parent company, CEC Entertainment, has filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, having suffered a tremendous amount of revenue loss due to the clo- to closing restaurants across the country as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. In addition to this affecting all of their Chuck E. Cheese restaurants, the Peter Piper Pizza locations are also affected. News of the downfall of a classic brand, has the internet reminiscing about their time at Chuck E. Cheese. And frankly, they're not looking back on it with rose-colored glasses. Okay, now I, I can tell you that I went to Chuck E. Cheese for my 7th or 8th birthday. I can't remember which one it was. I know it was one of those two. And I went there with a group of friends, and we all played video games. We played in a ball pit. We did all that stuff. 
the thing I remember the most about that experience at Chuck E. Cheese is their pizza was not good. <laughs> I didn't like the pizza. <laughs> and I love pizza. Pizza is definitely one of my comfort foods, man. And if your pizza is so bad that I like, take two or three bites, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm good. And then walk away and go play some more video games. The only thing you got going is the video games. And in the back in the days when I went to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid, because I'm close to 50, okay? I'm 48 years old. When I went to Chuck E. Cheese at 8 years old, they still had the animatronic, you know, the bears and the, the dogs and whatever else, um, you know, singing their songs every 10 minutes or whatever. I remember watching those going, wow, those are kind of creepy. Because <laughs> they're like, if, if you've ever seen videos online of animatronic things, they have like these really jerky like movements back and forth and, you know, their arms go up and down or left and right, that kind of thing. And their heads move back and forth kind of in a, in a very jerky fashion. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure Chuck E. Cheese was, was like the, the, the idea behind Five Nights at Freddy's, because if 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 the animatronics at Chuck E. Cheese had come to life and decided to start killing people, that's a, I think a, a lot of what kids were freaked out about those those animatronics because they look like they'd come to life and they're gonna want to eat you or something. So I don't know. I think that um, and and as I understand it, the Chuck E. Cheese. At one point, they removed all the animatronics because they were having problems. I also remember uh, some of my friends tormenting the poor person inside the Chuck E. Cheese costume, the the, uh, the uh, mascot costume. And I think back in those days, Chuck E. Cheese had a tail. And I think at some point, they, they stopped having a tail because people would try to grab the tail and stuff. But... Uh, I'm not really surprised that it's it's people are not looking back on it fondly because I mean I think it was it was more I think it was more entertaining for the parents to take their kids to Chuck E. Cheese than it was for the kids to be at Chuck E. Cheese. Um, this is what it says here. Currently, the CEC has 734 restaurants and stores in the United States and abroad, and remain optimistic about reopening their stores sometime in the near future. This will no doubt have an increasingly difficult task considering the key business of Chuck E. Cheese restaurants is group dining, game playing, and fun. Frankly, these will all be difficult to handle while maintaining social distancing measures among patrons and sanitizing games, tables, and areas of the restaurant. Well, yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just it's. What do you guys think? Do you think do you think you'll ever go back to a Chuck E. Cheese if you have kids or, you know, do you have fond memories of Chuck E. Cheese from when you were a kid? All right, next story. All right. The trailer for Superman: The Man of Tomorrow has landed. It says here, recently DC wrapped up its five-year multi-film animated nar- narrative storyline with the re- with the just-released Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. But just because the DC animated extended uh, movie universe has concluded, that doesn't mean that the end of the DC-based animated films. The newest entry will be Superman, The Man of Tomorrow a brand new retelling of the man of steel's origin story cuz we like we need that again i mean seriously how many times can we watch an origin story it doesn't matter if it's a new animated thing if it's the animation style's different unless they change the origin somehow i don't see myself being like oh i need to see this we really need to stop doing origin stories with characters that are 80 fucking years old okay seriously The newest movie utilizes rendering in a brand new animation style not seen before in previous DC films. You can catch a preview below. All right, let's hit play. Okay. 
Here we go. I don't want him to feel different. He is different. He lifted a tractor with one finger, Martha. Whoever put him in that ship had no idea or care for how dangerous a world they were sending him to. Okay, the animation style looks like Archer. Breaking news. An unidentified object heading towards Earth was detected by Star Labs. Look! Up in the sky! Yeah. Why are you here? Oh. Why are you here, Kryptonian? <laughs> the main man. Holy shit. Okay. I may watch this. I'm Clark Kent. This planet is protected, alien. It's ass woman time. <laughs> oh. Yes, John Jones. In the movies. Those movies are terrible. Are you right, Miss Lane? What's the S for? Superman. Curious who the voice are, voice artists are. I recognize one of them. That's going to be coming out on digital and Blu-ray. Cool. Does it say anything else? All right, this is what it says here. Here's the official synopsis. Quote, It's the dawn of the new age of heroes, and Metropolis has just met its first. But as a Daily Planet intern, Clark Kent, working alongside reporter Lois Lane, secretly wields his alien powers of flight, super strength, and x-ray vision in a battle for good. There's even greater trouble on the horizon for the budding hero he is in, he, as he engages in bloody battles with intergalactic bounty hunter Lobo and fights for his life to halt the attack of a power-hungry power alien parasite. The world will learn about Superman, but first, Superman must save the world. Okay, it's it's not like it's it's different. Okay, I'll give it that. I just I'm I'm tired of seeing origin stories, unless we're unless we're being introduced to a brand new version of Superman. Like it's not Clark Kent. You know, I don't want to see another origin, and, and this looks like it's sufficiently different than every other origin story we've seen so far. But seriously, though, DC needs to stop doing origins of existing characters. They need to they need to do origin movies or shows about characters no one has heard of or the mainstream hasn't heard of. Because I guarantee you, uh, there's a there's a comic book nerd out there who's like, I've seen this a billion times over. I don't need to see it again. And that's kind of what I'm saying. So that's me. <laughs> And I don't know why it sounded like that. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, so I don't know. I I'll I'll probably watch it. I don't know if this is one that I'll buy. I'll probably rent it if anything, or or I'll I'll wait for it to show up on DC Universe. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Superman Red Sun which is definitely a different origin story, is now available on DC Universe. And uh, if you're not familiar with Red Sun, it's an Elseworlds story of what if Kal-El, when he crashes to Earth, doesn't crash in Kansas, he crashes in the USSR. And he is raised by a Russian family. I I think a, a Russian politician, even. So... All right, next story. Elizabeth Banks is cast as Mrs. Frizzle in the Magic School Bus film. All right. It says here, Elizabeth Banks will star in the new live-action Magic School Bus film. She will also produce along with Max Handelman for Brownstone Productions, as well as Scholastic Entertainment's president and chief strategy officer Lowell Luchis and senior VP and general manager Caitlin Friedman and Mark Platt 
and Adam Siegel for Mark Platt Productions. Allison Small will serve as an executive producer for Brownstone Productions. That a lot of people, that's a lot of people working on to get this one on the screen. It certainly has taken the Magic School Bus a long time to get to the big screen. With the popular 90s book series and cartoon being an important part of many child's upbringing, the cast was reported on by Variety. Quote, we are delighted to bring to life this the iconic Mrs. Fizzle, Frizzle. The Mrs. Frizzle and her zest of, for knowledge and adventure in a fresh new way that inspires the next generation of kids to explore science and supports the dedication that de, excuse me supports the dedicated teachers who help make science real and accessible for young learners every day. Lachise said in a statement the, in the original Magic School Bus animated show, Miss Frizzle was voiced by, voiced by Lily Tomlin. A relaunch of the series was put on Netflix in 2017 featuring Kate McKinnon as Frizzle's sister Fiona. Universal is hoping to uh, is hoping the staying power of the brand can lead a new children's lead to a new children's franchise. And why couldn't it? I don't know anyone older than 35 that doesn't have a history with the Magic School Bus in some way. As they, as they, as they all pass it down to their kids, it's rare. It's a rare beloved property that nobody can really say a bad word about it. This should be an easy win for Universal, as long as they don't mess with the, with what works with it. Don't talk to kids like they are idiots. The bus, and the and the bus will be operated for years to come. Yeah, I I. I was aware of the show and I I did watch a few episodes of it and it was cute. It was entertaining, but I I didn't really continue watching it. I remember time Mr. and Mrs. Dickens planted the first apple tree here at the Dickens Orchard. Mr. Dickens said he would press no cider before the fruit was ripened to absolute perfection. Then it happened. That old orchard yielded the juiciest, most delicious apples we ever did see. That was 50 years ago. That was the first time I ever had a Dickens cider. <laughs> I'll never forget that first Dickens cider. I was 17 and like Dorothy was 16. I think that was Dorothy's first Dickens cider, too. I start every day with a Dickens cider. At breakfast or later in the day, a Dickens cider is the perfect pick-me-up. My first Dickens cider? Geez, I remember hearing how great a Dickens cider was before I actually had one. It was an old friend that let me have a Dickens cider. I was so excited with anticipation, I spilled it all over me. The other day, my husband's friend asked him why we both seem so healthy and happy all the time. He told him, easy, my wife doesn't let me go a day without a Dickens cider. <laughs> And she enjoys the rejuvenating effects of a wholesome, delicious Dick Insider, too. <laughs> Dick Insider. Dick Insider. Everybody loves a Dick Insider. From the famous Dickens Apple Orchards of Maine, get that old-fashioned, down-home feel of a Dick Insider. <laughs> you can get a Dick Insider almost anywhere. <laughs> Just look for the label with the donkey on it, or as they say at the orchard up in Maine, the Dick Insider ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dickens Cider from Dickens, a subsidiary of Good Swift. All right, the next story we have here: Disneyland, Disneyland will finally retheme Splash Ma Splash Mountain away from Song of the South. Now, as I was saying earlier in the episode, I, I wasn't aware that Splash Mountain had anything to do with with Song of the South. Um. Song of the South was a movie that came out, well, years before I was ever born. All right, this is what it says here. Growing up, Splash Mountain was an odd ride. Whereas most Disneyland, most of Disneyland, I was able to recognize the theme behind... Whereas most of the... 
Disneyland, I was able to recognize the theme behind that one eluded me as a child. It wasn't until years later that I realized the real reason was the song Song of the South was an infamous live action slash animated hybrid film that was released in 1946. In the the decades since, it has been widely recognized as a racist piece of cinema. And as such, has virtually been out of print for many years. I've seen the film in its entirety myself. It says, I've never seen the, the film in its entirety myself. Is what it says, and again, I'm even with a bigger screen, folks. I'm I'm missing words or I'm I'm reading it wrong. <laughs> I'm not doing this on purpose. That's just just how my brain is really working these days. Either that, or I need to get my my I need to update my prescription to my glasses. Is probably what's going on here. But given its tremendous tumultuous history, it's odd that Splash Mountain has never never retooled to another less controversial film for many years. There wasn't, wasn't necessarily a movie that could take over for the long running ride. And then the princess and the frog came out in 2009 while not a financial hit. It was a, it was critically praised movie. It seemed like the perfect candidate to take over splash mountain. And yet over a decade has passed with no action. Now, this morning, it was announced that Disneyland would finally retheme Splash Mountain as expected. The world, the world reflected would be that of the Princess and the Frog. Uh, it says here, quote, It's really exciting to know that, the princess, that Princess Tiana's presence in both Disneyland and Magic Kingdom will finally be re- fully realized. The voice of Princess Tiana was... Uh, Anika Noni Rose said, quote, as passionate as I am about what we created, I know that the fans are going to be over the moon. The Imagineers are giving us the Princess and the Frog Mardi Gras celebration we've been waiting for, and I'm here, um, and I'm here for it. She goes on to saying the, uh, or somebody goes on to say, as it's quoted here, like Princess Tiana, I believe that courage and love are the key ingredients for for wonderful adventures. Clarita Carter, senior creative producer and leading uh, the senior creative producer leading the project at Walt Disney Imagineering, said, "Quote: I'm delighted to be a part of bringing this fun-filled experience to our guests." And think only, it only took the country nearly exploding for Disneyland to finally make the change. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad it's happened. But it's insane how much stuff needed to happen before it got done. And I agree with that 100%. It should have happened back when the movie first came out, man. I mean, that probably would have helped. The very least, it would have helped with like digital and Blu-ray sales. I mean, if it didn't do well in theaters anyway. All right. Next story. Purgatory gears up for war in Winona Earp season four photos. Praise to be Andrea's Earpers. Entertainment Weekly has blessed us with a first look photos of Winona Earp season four. Yes, you read that correctly. We finally have a glimpse of what our shit show has in store for us this summer. After what has felt like an eternity of waiting, these photos are akin to a long, cool drink of refreshing water. Let's see, where are the photos? Oh, yeah. Says now we have Winona Earp. No, excuse me. Now we know Winona Earp is set to return this summer on Sci-Fi. However, the exact date is still under wraps. 
in the first photo, we see Winona played by Melanie Scrafano and Nicole played by Cat Barrel preparing to presumably save Waverly and Doc from the garden. What stands out to me, Nicole's hair appears to be darker. Now, that could be chalked up to the lighting. She also is armed with a rifle that looks like she's she's ready to kick some supernatural bum. This scene is assuming takes place after Winona and uh, Nedley save Purgatory from undisclosed location. From a undisclosed loca- location. Uh, since the entire town disappeared in season three finale, I need to re- I need to go back and rewatch season three because I don't remember what happened. I did watch the show though; I really liked it. The next we have the second photo, which shows Doc played by Tim Rosen or Rosen R O Z O N and Waverly played by Dominique uh Provost Ch- hyphenated last name Provost Chalky in presumably the garden a cascade of light shines down upon them now whether this is the entrance to the garden remains to be seen to me it looks like a poorly lit nondescript room in addition I think it's safe to assume that this scene takes place after Doc dove in to save Waverly. Again, I really need to go back and rewatch season three because I really don't remember anything from season three. It's been so long since that show was was on TV. I think it's available on Netflix. I'm going to probably go back and watch that this weekend. And it shows a couple that shows those two photos, but yeah, it, it looks like Officer Hot. Um, it looks like it's it doesn't look like it's red because in the first few seasons or that she was in anyway, I think she was was she in season one? I can't remember. She was in season two or three, I think. And uh, and her last name is H A W T Hot. That's why I said that. Not because she's hot. I mean, she is hot, but she's also hot. All right. And it looks like she's got like burgundy hair. So it might still be red. It just might be darker because of where they're at. And it looks like it's it's not a, it's dark in the room, but it's not like it's not lit up. I mean, there's light there. You see shadows and stuff but they're like spotlights. So, yeah, I guess it is a dark room. And that was a good show. If you've never watched uh, Winona Earp, it's it's it's, it's worth checking out. Um, it's on Netflix. At least it is here in the States. I don't know about the UK or everywhere else, but it's, it's definitely here in the States on Netflix. So look up Winona Earp. At the very least, you should be able to watch it on the Sci-Fi Channel's website, I think. Um, the next story we have here, Cyberpunk 2077 anime is coming to Netflix. 2077 seems like a mouthful to me. (laughs) The world of Cyberpunk 2077, the year's biggest role-playing video game, is headed to Netflix during CD Projekt Red's Night City Wire live stream on Thursday, the Polish game makers announced that a collaboration with Tokyo Studios Trigger, those are the folks behind the little series, uh, those are the folks behind the series Little Witch Academia and Kill a Kill. They kicked off pre-production on the new project called Cyberpunk Ender... Ender Runners in 2018. Ender Runners. Again, these are all like tongue twisters. <laughs> and there's a video here, so let me play the video. Playing, loading, buffering, buffering, and come on, still buffering, waiting, waiting. <laughs> come on. 
still waiting for it to play. Here we go. Hi, my name is Saya Elder. I am the Japan-based producer for Cyberpunk Edge Runners. What I do basically on this project is that I am a fixer, to put it in the words of the cyberpunk universe. We are a game company. We are a bunch of nerds, and wherever there are nerds, there's gonna be anime fans. So it was always a dream for us to make anime. When we began this project, we were certain that we didn't want to make a recreation of the game. Cyberpunk Edge Runners is a standalone story set in the same universe. The stage is still Night City, but everything else is totally new. New characters, new story. I do like to think that it's going to be a great gateway for newcomers to come and check cyberpunk game and also the cyberpunk genre as a whole. Right now we're in Nakano, which is one of the biggest anime meccas of the world. Uh, I'm going to take you to Studio Trigger right now because we have the wonderful opportunity to talk to the dream team that will be bringing you this anime. I would read it to you guys, but it's going by pretty quick. They're basically explaining the game. Tell you what, I'll, I'll of course I can't, when I pause it, fucking like more video things come up and covers it. There we go. The cyberpunk genre began when we were teens. These guys look like they're all in like their forties and fifties. So. Yeah, I, yeah, that sounds about right. I think I remember cyber, the whole the term cyberpunk. I was aware of it when I was in my twenties, which would have been in like the early nineties. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to play the rest of it because it sounds like it might just be a lot of subtitled um, Japanese. I'm like I said with everything else that I've talked about on this episode, links to everything will be in the show notes. And you'll be able to, to see uh, the videos that I've played audio from. See what else we got here. More anime stuff. I saw this and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should talk about this because I'm, as some of my friends can tell you, I'm not a I'm not a huge anime fan. I think I I'm. When I was growing up, they weren't called anime. They were just called Japanese cartoons. In 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 my day the the Japanese cartoons that were on TV excuse me all of a sudden I have hiccups um we had um when I was real young we had we had Speed Racer and we then we had Star Blazers in like the early 80s like 82 83 84 and then like 84 85 uh, Robotech became a huge thing because Transformers was massive and the other companies were like, we need to have our own version of that. And uh, so those were my introduction to Japanese cartoons. There was even older stuff like um, um, Gigantor, which I think was came out in the 50s or 60s. I think I've seen clips of that on TV, but I don't know if I ever really watched it. But I, I do remember watching... Uh, Speed Racer as a kid. Um, and then Star Blazers was like my favorite Japanese cartoon because it always ended in a massive cliffhanger. And I was like, well, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And uh, we we never really find out. And I've never been able to... I think I've, I've re-seen the same five episodes over and over again. And maybe that's all that the local station had. <laughs> but it felt like it was the same episodes over and over again and I never saw the end of that and I've not been able to find the original Star Blazers anywhere on the internet um, I I even looked in like places where you can find bootleg stuff and I've never been able to find the original Star Blazers now there there have been rebooted series or uh, or uh, spin-off series like from the, the 90s and stuff but I've never been able to find the original Star Blazers and I would love to, actually. I would still like to be able to watch that and, and kind of get some closure. <laughs> All right, so this next story. The next story here is Anime Fans Hype Summer Steam Sale with these wacky promos. 
see here. Buffering. What, no sound? You know why? Because I think, oh yes, that's why. Because I have this website muted. That's why. Let's go back. Because this website is notorious for having like videos preload and actually already start playing. I don't necessarily want the videos to play right when I when I load the page. I want to be able to push the play button. So I have I have this website muted. All right, so here we go again. Neon Genesis uh, Gable Angelion. It's just showing random photos of some old fat guy. I don't know who this is. And maybe it's a creator of a game or something. I don't know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said old fat guy, but that's essentially what it's showing. Some okay. Moving on. Um The Steam World. Okay. Oh, these are just... Oh, okay, never mind. I'm not playing all these. Oh, okay, I think I figured out what's going on here. So these are these are like fan-made videos that are like poking fun at the summer... Summer Steam Sale. Okay, okay. I don't know who that dude is, but he's in multiples of these videos. I'm not playing them all. He must be like a guy that's ahead of steam or something. <laughs> All right. And the last story I have here. Bill and Ted Facey Music is going to be at Comic-Con at home. Uh, this is this is an event that I'm definitely going to be tr I'm going to try to catch catch it here. So this is what it says here. Ryan Pitchers is bringing Bill and Ted Face the Music to Comic-Con at Home which runs from July 23rd through the 26th. These participating uh, those participating in the panel include cast members Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Samara Weaving, Bridget Lundy Payne, William Salder and director Dean Parasote and writers Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson the panel will be moderated by um, filmmaker and fan Kevin Smith. Oh, right on. All right. What does it say here? That's pretty much it. That's it. That's the information. It doesn't really give like, oh, man. I was hoping it was going to give like links to where you can like, I guess you could probably just search, go into Google and search for Comic-Con at home. The, with the at symbol comic hyphen con, the at symbol H-O-M-E. And I'm sure you can find the panel that way. And it's really weird seeing Keanu Reeves without facial hair. You can definitely tell he's older <laughs> now that he's like clean shaven. All right. I think, you know what? I think that is it for today. That is it for today. Thank you again for, for tuning into the podcast. I really appreciate it. You know, let's, you know what? Since I've, I'm done talking about that stuff, let's open up. New window. I want to thank um, the various areas of the world that listen to the podcast. So what I'm going to do 
happens is this opens here. I'm going to click on where it tells me the regions of the world that people are listening. And uh, I will thank those areas individually. All right. What? Ooh. All right. So we have... In the United States, we have Washington, California, and Oregon are like where the vast majority of the people are listening in the states. We also have New Jersey, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Texas, Minnesota, Utah, New York, Georgia, Idaho, Illinois, Florida, and Michigan, Kansas, Tennessee, Wisconsin, Alabama, Idaho, New Mexico, Massachusetts, Arizona, South Carolina, West Virginia, Maine, Indiana, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Iowa, Delaware. Oh my God, it's the entire fucking country. Holy shit. Wow. Okay, the last time I looked at this, it was literally like five or six states. Now it seems like it's every single one of them. (laughs) Okay, maybe not all of them, but there's quite a few here. Thank you. Oh my God, you guys are amazing. Actually, I think I love you guys for that. That is awesome. Thank you so much. All right, on the next the next country down on the geographic locations for people that listen to the po- podcast, we have France, and you know what? I, I'm let's just say France because these um, regions or cities or whatever, I'm not going to be able to pronounce them without completely butchering them, and I don't want to be that guy who can't say f- things French words without sounding like an idiot. So, thank you people from of France for listening to my podcast. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. I think that's thank you, right? Um and again, if I if I didn't say it properly, I'm, I'm I apologize. All right, next the next country on the list of places that listen to the podcast, we have England, Scotland and Wales. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it says England, uh, we have majority of people in London. That's awesome. We have Salisbury, Bristol, uh, Bernard Castle, uh, Ungsbridge, if that's, is that right? Uh, Lowborough, I'm Amesbury, York. That must be old York. Sorry. That's a bad joke. Um, and probably factual too. Then we have Germany, Ireland. You know what? Let's see. Ireland. I'm going to click on it. Leinster and Munster. Yeah, that's where I have family. So that's probably, it's probably Andrew and some of my other cousins. So thank you guys for listening or at the very least downloading my podcast. <laughs> appreciates you guys. And that's what I appreciate about you. All right. And then we have, uh, the Netherlands, Angola, South Africa, Mexico, Canada, hi Lisa, Um, India, Pakistan, Puerto Rico, Saudi Arabia, wow, the Republic of Moldova, and Spain, wow, I'm going to have to Google like the Moldova because I don't know where that is, I'm assuming I'm saying that right, but thank you guys, all of you for, for tuning in and listening to my podcast every week. I really do appreciate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, it's, I, I really enjoy doing this. I, 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 I wish I could figure out a way to like make it my job, like a monetary job. Um, I think honestly, the only really way, the only real way to do that is if you guys were to join my Patreon, patreon.com slash 206geek. If everybody subscribed, even at the like the five dollar level, that would definitely help me out. If I can get people to to do it the higher levels, then I would probably be able to do things like get a producer and like help me like with the production of the podcast and get somebody to like get people to be on the podcast. You know, get myself a headhunter to get people to interview. I would love to be able to do that, and I think I would be able to do that if I. I could hire somebody to do those things. Um, I don't know if I could necessarily get someone to do those things for free. 
Um, so yeah, that would be amazing. So again, thank you guys. I appreciate the support and, uh, what I would, at the very least, what I'd love you to do is, is share the podcast. Yeah. Tell, tell your friends and family to check it out. Tell them to subscribe. Even if they don't listen, tell them to tell them to subscribe. The more people that subscribe, the, the, the more my podcast gets noticed and, you know, um, if 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 you really want to support the podcast, the Patreon is the best way to go. But if if you can't really afford to do that, what I would recommend doing is going to rate r a t e dot two o six geek dot com and give the podcast a rating and a review on one of the three choices there. There's there's Apple, Podchaser, and Stitcher. All three of them have a rating system. If you can do all three, that'd be amazing. But if you only do one, that's fine too. I uh, really want you Apple users to do the, 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 the Apple rating and review. And if you also do it on Podchaser, that'd be great. Android users and PC and computer users, um, you should be able to do it through the iTunes program. And you can go to the Podchaser website to do it there. And same thing with Stitcher. Just do it through the, 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 the website. I think you can do it from the, the, the Stitcher app as well. Either way, just look up to the 206 Geek on your favorite podcasting app and give it a review if it has the reviewing option. Um, the ones that really matter as far as the rating and all that goes is the Apple one. That's the one that seems to get the most traction for podcasts because that is like the number one place people go to look for podcasts. I think even the, the Android people also pull from the 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 app the apple podcast system again thank you again for listening i apologize for babbling on here but you know just i I like doing the podcast a lot i appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the show and i'll talk to you guys next time bye And as always, if you want to see any of the, of the stories that I talked about, you can go to notes.206geek.com and you'll see the notes for the current episode listed there. That's notes.206geek.com. <laughs>